Welcome to the Winner Circle with Derek Pang. On this podcast, I'll be introducing you to real-world heroes who have stepped outside their safe, known worlds to pursue and live their win, their best lives. This is a choice we all get to make. The intention behind these conversations is to inspire you to move forward with greater faith, trust, and belief in yourself on your hero's journey ahead. Let's go, hero. All right, we're live for another episode. And on today's episode, I interview a life coach, author, speaker, musician, yoga teacher, and leader on workshop, of workshops on overcoming anxiety and stress. Welcome to the Winner Circle, Keith McPherson. Thanks so much, Derek. I feel like I won something just being uh, <laughs> able to connect with you finally. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited that we have the opportunity to at last connect as well. And I'm excited to hear more about your story and share that with the audience. So the goal of this podcast is to put forth a lot of positive energy to uplift, inspire, and empower. Um, things are pretty chaotic in the world right now, and I like to keep things light and inspiring. So let's focus on what you love about your world right now, Keith. What oh, wow. is it that you love about your world right now? That's a great open question. Currently in this moment, I am loving developing a deeper awareness of the present moment. I thought I had that down for a while now, but since COVID has happened and honestly, my whole life has been turned upside down and it's actually still in the process of being turned upside down at the moment. Um, it's funny how I can have like such pain and suffering at the same time as such opening and bliss. And so I think what I'm loving right now is the practice of surrendering my attachments and opening up to new beginnings. And, and that goes really uh, into all sorts of different layers. We could probably unpack that for a week in Hawaii together, but mm -hmm. I'm loving the uh, awakening to the, the present moment that's unfolding before me. And I know that might sound a little vague, but I mean, I'm honestly just seeing joy and love in the simplest of things. Like when I look out my window right now, and I just noticed like the way that this light is just shining on the trees and there's, you know, there's this glistening snow and it's, it's starting to warm up and just, I feel like there's just sort of this gratitude in the air. So I'm feeling really open to new beginnings and also letting go of a lot of um, pieces of my life at the same time that have served their course. Mm -hmm. What a beautiful opportunity. Yeah. So I feel one thing um, that is really important to know about our being is our mission. Our mission here on this reality plane, companies, organizations all have missions as guiding North Stars to where they are headed. Mm -hmm. And I feel it's important for us to be aware of our personal mission. Um, and our mission encompasses all that we do, whether that be personal, professional, and everywhere in between. And also with missions, they're ever changing. Um, so my question to you, is what is your current mission here on this reality plane of Earth? Well, that's just been getting another major update too. I would say the working version of my mission that I'm most aware of is to be a channel on this planet of unconditional love. That's my mission. And I mean that in the most purest of ways. It's to uh, be a channel of the love that we're all connected to 
and express that in the creative spirit. So the idea is to help people um, ultimately come into contact and harmony with their version of that oneness, that creative source and express it on the planet. Mm -hmm. So this podcast is called Welcome to the Winner Circle. And it's called Welcome to the Winner Circle because it's in my belief that anyone could be a winner. I feel we so often we put others on pedestals um, because we're not we're not thinking we could do the work to get ourselves there ourselves. But those people on the pedestals, they have to start somewhere. So people would look at your bio and see you as an experienced life coach, a successful author, a speaker, a musician, a yoga teacher, and they'll feel overwhelmed. How could I how could I be that? Um, well, you have to start and you have to believe that you can. And it's about embracing the process to those destinations rather than those destinations. We live in a very destination-oriented society. When I get this job, when I get this what relationship, when I get this car, when I get this whatever, I'll be happy. And then we get there and we may, be, we may momentarily be satisfied. And then there's always a feeling of now what? And it's because we're missing the whole journey. We're missing the song. So my question to you is what does going for your win mean to you? And what does your win in your life look like for you today? Wow. Well, going for my win originally when I first realized that I was supposed to go for a win <laughs> was a lot different than it is now. Um, mm -hmm. I started out back in grade seven playing guitar because I was failing French class in grade seven. And I made a deal with my teacher in grade seven that I would do an extra project in French class to get my grade up. And so initially I went home and I had just been learning guitar and I, I started practicing this old Bob Dylan song and realized I could translate it into French. And so I recorded the song on a cassette tape, if you remember those from the 1980s. And I handed in my cassette tape project and I ended up getting an A plus on the project, which got my grade up in French to a, a D minus overall. And uh, so I, I passed French and my teacher asked if I wanted to sing that song in front of the school. And at the time, like the last thing I really wanted to do was get up in front of my whole school and sing a song. I mean, <laughs> I was going through puberty. It was, it was awkward, right? I didn't want to mm -hmm. be the center of attention. But something came over me finally to say yes. And I, I got up and I played my song and my worst nightmare started coming true And that I, I looked out and I noticed that all my friends were laughing at me. And before too long, the whole school was actually laughing at me. And up in my head, this loud voice came up just going like, why did you agree to this? Run for the hills. This is failure. And uh, despite all that, um, right in the middle of that, what felt like a failing moment, I remembered that I just learned the chords to a children's song by the, uh, the author, the musician, Fred Penner, called The Cat Came Back. So I started playing The Cat Came Back, and literally, it was like a complete shift of energy in that school gym, and everybody started singing along with me. And I have to say, like at the time, although I wasn't fully aware of it in that moment, I remember thinking to myself, like, this is pretty cool. And so that kind of started off um, this whole... I guess, passion of performing and playing music and being in front of people. And it kind of got convoluted along the way. I thought winning at the time was really about recognition, being famous, <laughs> having people like me. And so I spent a large part of the first part of my life using my music and my 
playing guitar and singing as a bit of a, without knowing it, it was almost a bit of a crutch and that I, I wouldn't even show up to a party unless my guitar was around because it was the way that I would be able to, I guess, bring worth to the situation. So I really thought being a winner for the longest time was all about um, being liked by what I do, right? And uh, I made it all the way to the finals of a TV show called Canadian Idol back in 2006. And it was kind of an unexpected thing, but I was on there in the top 22. And I got, I guess, eliminated from the show around the top 10 mark. And I found after going through that experience that this trajectory that I was going on of trying to be a winner and trying to just fame and fortune, it just was not serving me anymore. And all the other signs around me were supporting that as well. Just that, you know, things like music was becoming free, like that we were moving into this era of everything is free digitally. So I wasn't selling records with my band, less people were coming to the shows. Um, I was getting eliminated from Canadian Idol and I knew there was something else. So it kind of shifted gears around 2006. And um, I realized that I wanted to do something that had more meaning than just trying to be liked for the rest of my life. So it was around then that I um, started practicing yoga. I got into it because I, simultaneously I was going through a really tough breakup at the time and I was trying to get over it. And a friend suggested I hop in a yoga studio and stretch my troubles away. So I started practicing yoga and it changed my life. I found a revived and renewed connection to my spirit, to that oneness that I was talking about earlier. And ever since then, um, slowly but surely, I've been opening up on this new version of the journey to a new version of what it means to win. And I'd have to say, just to paraphrase it, my new version of win is to know and see and I'm going to use the word God, and I, I mean God in the most <laughs> open way possible, because who really knows what God is? You know, we, we have a human definition of this guy in the sky, maybe with a beard that's <laughs> looking down on us, and others have a, a completely different version of God is this or that. I just, all I know is that there is a source and a presence of love that is behind everything that's taking place on the planet, and to win is to see through all of the illusion of our attachments and this physical world, to see that loving source that's operating behind it all. And when I'm in unity with that, I feel like I've won. <laughs> I've won, I've won life because I literally have won, but I mean it in the O-N-E version of one, not W-O-N. I think I have won when I come into communion and I see that there's a, to sum this up, there's a quote by one of my teachers, Wayne Dyer, who actually just this morning, I saw it in my bathroom. My friend, uh, Carolyn, had painted this quote for me, and it says, see the light in others as if that is all you see. And that really sums it up for me. Well, to be in that space of winning in the oneness is to see that. And so that's mm -hmm. the trajectory I'm on. So all of the doing on my bio that you listed at this point the reason I'm doing all those things is not to say, oh, I'm a, I'm a life coach now and I've written a book and I'm a yoga teacher and musician. Don't get me wrong. I mean, there are times where my ego slips in and tries to throw me off this path. But ultimately, I know that I've won when I'm in harmony with that oneness, that loving presence. Mm -hmm. I love that. And that is something that is accessible to us all, no yes. matter what 
stage on the path we are, we could set forth in that, on that version of the win, on that one. Um, so we're going to invite your ego into this conversation for a moment. Yeah. And I'm going to ask you about your biggest wins on your path and your journey thus far. What are some of the accomplishments that you are most proud of? Mm. Well, I'd have to say like the writing of my book, making sense of mindfulness felt like a great sense of joy and accomplishment. And I still am in awe that that happened because <laughs> I started writing that book several years ago based on a morning practice. I, I have a morning writing practice. And one morning I started writing in my journal and my hand just kept going. And I was kind of cued from that source. You're going to be writing a book. And uh, five years later, after writing most days, this turned into this project of what's called making sense of mindfulness. So I'd say that was one of my most joyful wins and experiences so far. Um, there's been several. I mean, I think also all of the traveling and music that I performed with my bandmate, Renee, I used to be in a band called Keith and Renee, was just pretty phenomenal when I look back now at it. It kind of gave me this playground to really <laughs> have some incredible experiences. We toured all over the world. We um, open for some pretty incredible artists, including Jan Arden and Dean Brody and Tegan and Sarah. And we played a bunch of major festivals. We released six albums. That was quite a, a amazing trek. And most recently now, I'd have to say, um, I'd have to say probably it's the, the speaking that I'm doing, the being able to get up in front of audiences and not only play music, but um, inspire people with channeled words and just this whole movement towards mindfulness and presence that, that feels like a really new piece that's emerging as well. Mm -hmm. Thank you for sharing all that. Um, you mentioned an AM uh, morning writing practice. Was that, is that stream of consciousness journaling or what kind of practice did you have in the morning and what role has journaling played in your life? Yeah, that continues to evolve as well. I love that we're talking about journeying on this podcast because everything, I feel like I'm just on this journey. So I, I'm not sure the full destination of where it's going, but my writing practice has evolved over time. How it is right now is um, in the morning, I get up early. I've been getting up between 4.30 and 5 a.m. And I do a yoga practice. So I get my body moving right away because my cortisol levels are quite high when I wake up because the body mm -hmm. sends cortisol to wake us up. And then I, uh, I, so I do the yoga and then I sit and I, I just commune with that oneness. I close my eyes and I just, I make my intention to be in communion with that inspiration. And as I be with that, uh, words and ideas and creativity just starts coming through and it's different than my busy mind. It's, it's really hard to put words on that, but it just, it's, there's a dis complete distinction between my busy mind and the creator and the creator comes through and I get cued and I have my journal right there and I pick it up and I just write whatever I am hearing. I just write. And uh, some days I get about a paragraph and other days I have pages. And um, I also just discovered this amazing app uh, Microsoft OneNote, which is amazing. <laughs> My friend Dave just opened me to that. So I also now have been doing some speaking into that app where I'll just push the voice recorder and channel through the words of speaking and it types it out for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what? how do you find um, writing versus speaking? Like there's a difference between the two, I believe. 
Uh-huh. I haven't given that a, a lot of thought up to now. That's a great question. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that the writing feels like it's coming through the hand. I'm definitely a big uh, fan of handwriting versus typing. Mm-hmm. I think there's some sort of a direct connection to the actual moving from the um, non-physical into the physical form. It's like a birthing almost. So when I'm writing with my hand, I feel like I'm channeling. Like I said earlier, I'm a channel of, of love that's coming through to be expressed. And it's not always happy thoughts. Like love can be quite painful at times too. <laughs> so I'm writing. The voice, I think, is really um, sound vibration. You know, in this physical plane, we're attuned vibrationally and there's... Um, the sound of spirit coming through. So there's something about the toning and the, the voice, I think, that has a different um, expression than the, the writing. So they're both creative uh, opportunities. They're like instruments, if you will, that the artist is playing that under what's behind the instrument is the spirit that's trying to express into this world. Mm-hmm. And we're all different artists. So maybe for some of the listeners, writing by hand is better for you in the morning or others maybe it will be like with that microsoft one like like vocal like doing a voice note or maybe it's for someone that's typing and that's the joy of this is we get to experiment and we get to um inquire what works for us and again note that that could be continuously evolving Absolutely. I was just going to add there, as you're saying that you're reminding me for a long time, my morning practice was so rigid where I had a routine. It was like, do yoga, then meditate, then write, then uh, do, I actually have some Hawaiian background as well. You'd never know it because I'm a white Winnipegger, but um, I, my, one of my lineages is Hawaii. So I do some hula dancing. I uh, do some Hawaiian chants in the morning and it was very rigid to an, to a certain extent. But I've noticed over time that it becomes more about the discipline of getting to my practice in the morning. But then what it becomes now is it's listening to that spirit and going, what would bring me the most aliveness right now? Like, what do I feel like doing right now? And so it's not always so compartmentalized because that actually cuts off the flow for me. So I just allow it. So some mornings I'm writing, some mornings I'm singing, some mornings I'm uh, dancing, you know, it depends what, what mm-hmm. is needed in this moment. Yeah, that, that's so important. And I'm curious how you transition to there because yeah, with my morning routine, um, sometimes I feel like there's a lot of rigidity there. And if I don't do that one thing, it's like, oh, like, <laughs> like that's such a failure. Yet I've done like another 10 things and I'm just one thing. And then you're focusing on the one thing that yeah. you just didn't feel like doing and that you didn't felt called to. Um, and you're like, oh, like I didn't do this thing. Ignoring that 10 other things that you did because of that rigidity. So how did you transition from having that very structured morning routine to more of a listening to what your heart is calling, what your body, your brain, your being is calling to you? Yeah, great. I think it's an evolution. I think that initially, as we go into a practice of anything, at first we need to we need to harness and hone the skill of discipline. You know, when you hear the word discipline, it's like, it also is the same word as disciple. You know, you think of a disciple, somebody that's like faithful to a cause. So, and having that routine. So I I was a real disciple to morning practice. For example, I would get up every morning and practice diligently. And that got me there. And now what I'm finding to actually make that transition from discipline and, and routine to that sort of more playful spirited, 
trusting the flow place, it's kind of twofold. One is really learning how to listen deeply to my inner intuition. Like that's how spirit speaks through. It's like that inner teacher, right? It's different than your busy mind that's going, well, you should be doing this right now. It's like, no, there's like something deeper. Like it's almost like a little whisper that comes into me. And it's like, sometimes I'll catch it. I'll be writing in the journal thinking, oh, look at me. I'm doing a good job journaling. There's that ego thing. And actually Mm -hmm. I feel deeper down that I should be going for a walk outside, but I'm not supposed to be doing that right now because I'm supposed to be writing in a morning practice. But if when I listen to those whispers and I give myself full permission to to trust that, uh, that's that surrender. I let go. And then I find myself on a walk and I'm like, wow, if I hadn't taken the walk, this wouldn't have been like this. And, and I just, there's a freedom. So there's a liberation that way. That's the first piece um, is to just really start tuning into your inner intuition and giving yourself permission to not be so regimented. And then I guess the second piece I would say beyond listening, it will come through here. I had it <laughs> is to, it'll come back. Maybe it doesn't need to be said right now. <laughs> yeah, no, that's okay. Yeah. Um, so how do we differentiate between that inner whisper and resistance? Author Stephen Pressfield describes resistance as that negative force in that world that keeps us from fulfilling our dreams. And it does that to keep us in our safe zone, mm-hmm. um, our known world. So for example, say you're journaling and maybe that's mm-hmm. what you truly need to be doing. And then your resistance, oh no, like just, just go for a walk right now. Um, yeah. Cause it's, it's not wanting to, deal with that uncomfortability of journaling because it it feels it feels like oh this journaling practice is going to really change something in me so i'm just going to go i'm going to go or i'm going to go watch tv or i'm going to go make something in the kitchen Mm -hmm. um it's keeping us so how do you differentiate between Mm. that whisper and resistance and how do you deal with resistance on a daily basis because resistance is always there it's that voice in your head telling you no like you don't need to you don't need to meditate today or don't, don't worry about your yoga practice. Just stay in bed another five minutes. So how do you differentiate between that whisper and resistance? You know what? That's perfect. Cause that's probably why I didn't uh, spill just before. And I forgot that that was the second thing I was going to talk about. Yeah. It, um, It really comes down for me to this practice of the, the, the word is discernment discernment and discernment means to make conscious choice to make decision and in every single moment we have the opportunity to choose it's one of the most amazing things about being alive on the planet is we have so many options that we can choose in each moment as to where to focus our attention Um, this really comes down to this principle for me that says um, we're spiritual beings having a temporary human experience on the planet. You may have heard that before some of you Mm -hmm. listening, but it's when you really be with that essence, I'm a spiritual being that like, to me, that means that we have no beginning or end or deadline or time bound. Like we are unlimited potential. Like the spirit is, um, it doesn't operate in this physical linear time. It's like, it's unlimited. And having a temporary human experience, you know, this is what happens when we are born is that we are um, incarnated into these physical bodies. So very quickly, we start realizing that the spirit where we came from, which is unlimited, right? 
we, we end up in these bodies and we start realizing, oh my gosh, I'm in this physical body. And yet I'm still kind of a spirit, but I feel like I'm in a body now all of a sudden. And what we start tuning into is the physical realities of the world, our, our, you know, our tastes and our smells and our, our senses and what we can grab hold of. And all of this becomes physical. And it's, it's one of the reasons we're here on the planet is to explore that physical realm. But where we get in trouble is when we attach, when we attach onto the physical form, thinking that it's going to be permanently there for us. And this is where all of our pain and suffering comes from, I believe, is that when we are attached to the physical form, we, without, like, we may be enjoying it so much that we just never want it to end, but it is going to end in this life form. That's where we get attached. So that's kind of the foundation of what I'm about to say on back to your question. I just wanted to preface that for people. This idea of ego versus love presence or God, you know, Wayne, Wayne Dyer, again, one of my teachers, he used to say ego stands for edging God out. And one way you could think of God, if you're having a hard time with that word right now, is just to think about the sound of God in the middle of that word, ah, it's to be in awe. That's really all this is. It's to be in that awe, that oneness, that love. And in each moment as we're going through the day, we get the opportunity to choose between awe and love and that just that yes, or the place of edging awe or God out where we're clinging to our fears and our attachments and you know all the expectations of the world. That's called the ego, edging God out. And so the discernment practice in each moment is to start tuning in and discerning, you know, is this coming from that loving, unconditional source of spirit that I really am? Or is this coming from the worldly illusion that I need to have this, or I am what I do, or if I don't finish this piece of writing right now, I'm going to be deemed a failure, or on and on and on. And that accounts to me for our busy-minded, conditioned mind that's constantly playing out. If you notice, most of us are sleepwalking through our lives because our minds are have inherited all of this dogma from the temporary physical world. And so we are telling ourselves these stories that are totally interfering with our deeper inner truth, which is coming from the source and spirit. And so to me, when we're practicing mindfulness and meditation, you know, on one level, it's like slow down and pause and take a breath and start learning how to be present. But why are we doing that? And the why is because when we slow down and we breathe and we just relax into this present moment, that's when we actually can hear the difference between and know the difference between that of love and spirit and that of ego and attachment and fear and anxiety and doubt. You can feel it. We know inherently where we came from and who we are. Um, <laughs> there's a, a quote from uh, Woodworth, the, the poet who said, I'm just paraphrasing it, but when we're born, we fall asleep. Like when we come into this physical world, we fall asleep, meaning we forget where we came from. But we came from this place of infinite source that has no physical um, body. It's, it's everything. It's like it's love. And we fall asleep to it when we come into this physical form because we forget what we really are. And we, we buy into this illusion that we're just this physical body walking through our, our lives. And then what's so funny is we come into the world crying because we're like, please, I just want to stay in that beautiful love presence. And I have to be in this body for all these years. And then we go through our lives and Woodworth in his poem 
more eloquently than this says, you know, then we, we die and we die laughing because we're returning back to this place of um, the source, the love. Well, everybody else here on the planet is crying because they're attached to us, right? The physical forms attached, they're all crying while we're laughing going like, ah, like to me, that's the ultimate hero's journey. It's like, we are constantly evolving in that way of like, you know, Richard Rohr would talk about it. He says, we are, um, everything has order. We're in order. And then we are in disorder. And then we are in reorder. And we just keep circling that all the time of like, you know, we're in order. We come into the planet. We're in disorder, trying to figure our stuff out and we reorder ourselves. And then we die and we go back into order. And it's, it's happening on many different levels. Is this, is this mm -hmm. too much or I don't know? I'm just saying. No, that, that's great. So yeah. we started examining your, we got here by talking about your morning routine um, where you wake up, you do a movement practice, you do some journaling. So let's just continue on your essential daily habits and routines. Um, sure. What are some of them that have been most beneficial for you? And if you can share those to maybe inspire someone, someone listening. Yeah, well, I actually just created a whole journal book around this called my conscious life to try to um, capture some of some of what i've been practicing and so some of the things i think are most important during the day and i've outlined in this journal um, things like as simple as hydration make sure you're drinking water that's what we're made up of and to stay in the flow to be drinking water all day long um, to make sure that you're moving you know whether that be some exercise or dancing in your living room between um, clients or meetings. I think movement's really key. Um, there's also the idea of meditation, slowing down and taking the time to just be still and listen and start tuning in and, and focusing your mind <laughs> instead of it running you, you start tuning into it. Um, I think also the art, like I was saying earlier, of writing things down is really important. I think reading and meditating from a, a form of meditation called contemplative meditation is really important. And what that is, is just, you know, um, choosing uh, some sacred writing and reading just a, a passage from that writing and then slowing down and just letting that writing speak to you on all the different levels. You know, what did the author mean when they were writing this? What does this literally mean? And then going deeper, what does this mean for me right now? What is it that my spirit is trying to convey in this today? How might this tune into the rest of my life? So I think that's important. Having some guides like that. I, I send out a daily intention email every morning to my community. It's just some positive messages that have come through spirit. And I think um, reflecting and, and meditating on those kind of messages every day is important for mindset. So we're trying to work out the mind, right? The body and then the spirit. So I think if you can uh, connect with all three parts, you'll find yourself in more and more alignment all day long. Mm -hmm. yeah. So we've got an opportunity to learn a bit about you so far. And I want to just trace things back to your origin story. Um, you mentioned your origin story in musician. Um, when your teacher asked you to start in front of the school, um, you talked to us about how you started your yoga journey when you we went into yoga um, to recover from a breakup upon a friend's recommendation. Uh -huh. So let's just start from the beginning though. What got you curious to music, to yoga, to journaling? Let's just like as far back as you want to start, let's just kind of talk about your origin of the hero that is you. Wow. Well, if we go way back, I almost feel like I came out of <laughs> 
uh, into the world from my mom, just like musically inclined. I, I remember my earliest memories of music was sitting in my grandparents' living room, listening to an old reel-to-reel -reel player that they had. And uh, it happened to be the music of John Denver. And I just fell in love with that music. I remember sitting there in this little rocking chair, listening to that music. And whenever the music would turn off, I would scream and say, put it back on. I want more music. So there was a part of me that was always really attuned to just that sound vibration. I used to pretend uh, I was putting on concerts when I was a kid. I would set up, well, I'd drag my brothers into the room and I'd also set up uh, teddy bears and I would literally stand on my parents' kitchen table and pretend I was performing. And, you know, I had a lot of musical icons when I was a kid that I looked up to, you know, very early on, Fred Penner, I mentioned him earlier, um, kids entertainer, Rafi was another one. I just, I just admired these people. They had such uh, charisma. And so I, I wanted to be like that. And then, you know, I grew up listening to the Beatles a little later on. And I always had such a, I always had such an admiration for Paul McCartney and just the, the positive energy that he exudes and his creative spirit. So I think that was probably part of it. Um, the yoga, like I said, came later down the road and all of that. I also have to say when I was early, early, <laughs> early on in my life, you know, I grew up um, at, in the Catholic church and we used to go to church every Sunday and there was a priest there, Robert, Father Robert Folio. And I admired him. I thought he was Jesus. And uh, I remember we'd stand in that communion line and get to the front. And I just was like in awe going like, wow, I'm like meeting some well-known <laughs> famous guy. And uh, so that also, I think, so I actually, now I'm going to blush a little bit, but when I was a kid, I, I actually used to pretend that I was a priest saying mass as well. I think that's evolved. I think that's actually now when I think about it, we'll maybe get to that later, but I feel like that's evolving in terms of my life purpose right now is I don't think I'll ever sign up for the priesthood um, formally, but I do think of myself as like an urban priest. Like I do, I think there's some remnants from that, that I, it's part of my life purpose. Mm -hmm. it's, my, it's unfolding slowly, but surely. <laughs> yeah. So those are some of the really early on origins that come to mind right now. Yeah. So all throughout um, your story, you've faced fear and said yes. So when your teacher asked you to sing to the audience, you said yes. Um, when you decided to even apply for Amer our Canadian Idol, you said yes. Showing up for that audition, you said yes. Going back, you said yes. Showing up to that first yoga class, you said yes. Where often people say no. And they often say no, because the number one thing that holds people back, and that is fear. So how have you successfully overcome fear on your path? And what would be your advice for that hero standing at that step, at that edge of should and must, and they're staying in the, the shoulds, they're staying <laughs> stuck in that dirt, in that mud? Wow. What a great question. Um... Well, my friend has always called me Keith McNo-Fearson. My name's Keith McPherson, but no Fearson. I, as I'm just being with your question right now, it's kind of coming through to me that I actually have been a scaredy cat most of my life. And my yes actually has come from fear, which sounds kind of bizarre. But I've always said yes, because I've always been scared that if I say no, 
somehow people aren't going to like me. So as much as that has, I definitely can say, come from an egoic fear of not being liked and lovable. Um, it also has really served me because in my fear of saying, yes, I'll do that. Sure, I'll do that because I really don't want you to not like me. It's, you know, the yeses open doors. It's just that my yeses for a long time were fueled by fear instead of a place of um, <laughs> that conscious choice, so to speak. Your yes means nothing if you can't say no, is a phrase that I've been told by a few of my friends. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that I kind of got thrown into being a yes man early on because I was really quite a complier, meaning that I was just reacting out of that fear of, you know, that what are they going to think of me? Um, it's evolved over time, though. And so I'd say if you're on the other side of the fence where you're saying no all the time out of fear, you know, why are you saying no? Right, what's your, what is behind that fear? It, is, it might be the same thing as to why I was saying, yes, it might, you know, people might, I might not do a good job. I might fail. So I might as well just say no. And don't get me wrong. There have been times where I've said no out of fear as well. So in those moments in my life where I've been there, I'm often saying no for the exact same reason as well, where I'm like, you know, I, no, I don't want to do that because I could fail. I think failure has been another major reason why I would say no is my fear of failure. Um, a phrase that kind of has landed with me is you can't fail. You'll only get results. So whether you say yes or no, you're just going to get a result to work from. So, you know, this time around, if I said no, because I was just so scared, I'm going to get a result and maybe I'll miss out on the opportunity that was presented to me and I'll, I'll be upset about it. Maybe to the point of beating myself up to the point where I'm like, Oh, why did you say no? But it produces a result that makes me realize, okay, well, my life's not over. And, you know, there is a divine creator I have access to. Um, what is the yes that's opening up here in my no? There's always another way. There's always another way. So even if you think that you screwed up and you made a mistake and it wasn't going to work out for you, the truth is actually, no matter whether you say yes or no, it's going to open up a door. And it's going to open up an experience for you to grow and learn and continue on. And so to me, it's a bit of surrendering, like getting out of the way and starting to learn how to listen again to that inner spirit, that inner source, and to really trust where it's guiding you to be. And then the more resonant you can be, as opposed to saying yes or no based in anxiety and fear and doubt, you're saying yes or no based on that inner authority, you know, of like, source so mm -hmm. that's kind of what i would say around that yes and it's all there's always an opportunity for learning if we choose yeah. everything everything can be learning and the learning opportunity if we choose to view the world through that lens and that's again coming back to choice absolutely yeah so these are some lessons. A lot of these lessons you've learned on your path have been taught to you by some mentors. And you mentioned some already. Um, Wayne Dyer has been a big one. Fred Penner, Rafi, Robert Folio. So let's just take a moment to acknowledge some of the mentors that have really meant something to you. And what are the key takeaways you've learned from the less, their lessons, their teachings? And you can go back to those ones I mentioned, or maybe there's some other mentors you'd like to acknowledge. Oh, wow. There's so many. A couple more that just come to mind as well would be Louise Hay, who's the founder of uh, Hay House Publishing. She is 
no longer in the physical form, but definitely a guide and mentor for me. Um, Michael Bernard Beck Beckwith as well, who runs Agape Spiritual Center down in Los Angeles has been a huge influence. Sean Korn, the yoga teacher who also is really <laughs> rooted in the spirit in her work. Um, so I guess some of the teachings and learnings that I continue to learn from these people, you know, they oftentimes for me comes through like little nuggets or quotes that they say, and they stick with me. And then I contemplate on them. And then it starts becoming embodied and realized. And I'm like, wow, there is just like so much there. Um, but a couple of them, you know, one of the biggest ones is when you change, this is a Wayne Dyer quote, when you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. That's a big one for me. When you change mm -hmm. the way you look at things, the things you look at change, they have to. And so many of us are stuck in paradigms where we think it's out of our control and there's only one way to see it. You know, I'm broke. <laughs> I'm not enough. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm failing. But if you just kind of like take a bird's eye view of what's really going on, right? And realize that there's actually other perspectives to choose whatever you're looking at has to change. Like it can change. So that's, that was a huge one for me. Um, I'd have to say as well, I think what all of these mentors have had in common is that they all are living examples very transparently and openly of their faith in the spirit and their beautiful channels of um, creative spirit coming through and flowing into the world. So I think for me, that's uh, what they all have in common. And in their own unique ways, they're expressing that spiritual connection in, in, in some form or another. So I don't know if that answers your question. Is that what you were getting at? Yeah, that's absolutely where I was getting at. Um, and transitioning into our next point, it's not been all rainbows and roses for you on the path. And some right. of the challenges you've mentioned so far have led to such profound opportunities for growth. When the kids were laughing at you when you're singing, you pivoted mm -hmm. and that transformed that experience. When you were dealing with a breakup, you pivoted and you went to yoga and that was like another transformational experience. Um, so let's take a moment now to just talk about some of the challenges you've overcome, how you've overcome them and what for us to be transparent and honest with ourselves. And there's layers to that. And it's, I think it's part of why we're here an ongoing mm -hmm. journey to get real. So that's one. I also think just the practice of forgiveness in general has been another for me around overcoming challenges. Um, not so much in this situation. It's not really, it's not a bitter thing that I'm going through. It's more of a just like discussion of what are we supposed to be, you know? But, you know, I, I think about there have been some people in the past that I have had to really learn how to forgive because I was carrying around baggage that was just not serving me. Um, I think about when I was younger, just uh, really young, I think I might've been about 12 years old and I can't say for sure that I was sexually abused, but I think that um, there was somebody in my life at that time who was a much older, who was kind of grooming me in that stage and really betrayed me. And I, at the time being a young kid, didn't know that he had other motives for why we were hanging out and being friends. And I, it never, I can't recall that it got to a place where it was, um, became like he crossed a boundary, but I, 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 could, I felt all of it anyways, emotionally being betrayed by somebody. So that goes as early on as that. And then along the way, I just think about 
all the times that, um, you know, people have crossed my path and it's irked me or hurt me. And how do you forgive? And there's a, an amazing practice in the Hawaiian culture called Ho'oponopono, which means to make right more right. How do you make love more love? And it's, um, again, it's a really powerful practice, but one of my processes has been to get quiet again and listen and close my eyes and just imagine that the person that harmed you is walking onto a stage in front of you. And with your eyes closed, you imagine them there on the stage and you, you come in open to forgive. Like you come in open to make right more right. And you see through all of the ego of, you know, their story and your story. And you, you come to this place where you see that underneath all of that baggage that we've picked up along the way on both sides, it's only love. There's just love. It's just absolutely unconditional love. And then there's four words that you say when you start feeling that. You say, um, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I love you. Thank you. And you don't just say it from your head. You say it from your heart. And you imagine them saying that to you as well. And then if there's any remnants that happen where you're like, oh, still some baggage, you stay there and it, with them and, and you, you allow the light to come through and until you feel again, the next layer drop. And then again, you say the same words again, you know, I'm sorry, please forgive me. I love you. Thank you. And eventually you get to a point where you feel resolution and you let it go. You take a deep breath and you let it go. And that to me has been a really powerful practice of overcoming challenge is to, to you know, forgive. There's a Mark Twain quote that I first heard from, again, you guessed it, Wayne Dyer. <laughs> he says, forgiveness is the fragrance that the violet shed on the heel that crushed it. I'll say it again because it took me a bit to process, but forgiveness is the, the fragrance, the smell that the flower, like the violet flower sheds on the heel that crushed it. Like no matter what happens to you in your life, if you can get to the place of that violet that sheds its scent anyways, no matter what. I mean, what a place to live from where you realize that you're only here for God. So everything else is illusion. And yeah, it crossed your path and yeah, it hurt you. And yeah, it felt like total crap. And not to discount all that, feel that. But at some point you get to the place where it's like, I need to forgive this because it's not even harming them anymore. It's harming me. So I need to let go so that I can be free. And when you let go, oh man, those are exhilarating moments where you just feel this like love and bliss and joy where you can't get enough of it, you know? Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. yeah, that's, uh, hopefully that answers that one. Absolutely. And it all, <laughs> it all starts within. And I really appreciate your authenticity and your vulnerability because in the world that I live in, the way I view the world, I think our world needs a little more of that, more authenticity, more vulnerability. And it starts with us. It starts with us being the change and you are doing that. And I strive to as well. Mm, thank you. We've mentioned um, love. Love has come up a lot in this conversation. So let's mm -hmm. take a moment to examine that word, that thing, that state. What does love mean to you, Keith? Mm. Wow. Well, I just got another quote that says, love is letting go 
or love is letting go when falling in love fades. You know, love is, <laughs> let me phrase this again. Mm-hmm. Love is what happens when falling in love fades away. That's the quote. Love is what happens when falling in love fades away. And I think that's what love is, is it's actually, we, I think in our culture have come to commercialize love and we've come to define love as a, a, a feeling and, you know, uh, almost I, I, an identification with the physical form of like, I love you because you're so beautiful and hot and gorgeous. And I just, you know, or I love that car. Or I love that, that person on the podcast, or I love, you know, and it's like, it's kind of a, a young, younger version of what I think that's more lust, right? But when, when that fades away, you know, I just even think about when you get married and you, you're so in love with the person, you know, just love you, love you. But when that all fades away, all that infatuation and, and what's left over is actually what the love is. And that love is a different form of love to me. It's not a, a worldly love. It's a, it's a spiritual love. It's a love of the creator. It's the, it's the divine presence that is the reason we're sitting here right now. The only reason why, you know, it's in everything. So it comes back to me to that place of love is seeing that and he, like embodying that and experiencing that in every, everything that you see, but it's not of the physical. It's, uh, it's really hard to put words on it because it's, it's, it's nameless, but mm-hmm. it's, you know it because it's who you are. It's like, it's who we all are. It's, it's what everything is. It's what draws us to each other. I feel like all of the hero's journeys that we're on, we're just all trying to find our way back home. Like we're all trying to find our way back home and know it for the first time, like know it in this place of love, you know, and we bang up against walls and we get into conflicts and we try things and they fail. And it's, it's all, it's all love. Like it's all love. That's like propelling us forward back to know it for the first time. So <laughs> I know if I'm doing that justice, I've never been asked the question, what is love? But I can tell you, I, I know it when I, I'm with it. Like it, it's here right now. It's mm. always here right now. It's presence. Love is presence. Love I feel is, that. Yeah. Love is aloha. That's uh, <laughs> another way to say it, you know, to exchange the sacred breath together and aloha. And love is to be happy with it's to be here with whatever life is presenting you. It's to be with it and to open yourself to it and to realize that it's like, it's in everything always and everyone always. If we choose infinite and always, if we choose. And we don't even have a choice in this though. No? I, well, I mean, we can, yeah. If we choose to like tune in, we'll experience it. Yeah, but like we have, we don't have a choice because even in those moments when we're in our egos and we're all bent out of shape, like love is still there. Yeah. <laughs> it's like unconditional, but we yeah. just tend to like our radio frequencies have dialed out in the moment. Sometimes it's like, but it's always there. And if you're right, if we choose to attune our radio frequency to it, you'll see it. It it will be. It's there. Mm-hmm. It's in listening of your eyes right now. It's in this sacred moment that we're sharing. It's in the listeners that are here with us both in this time and listeners that will listen to this for lifetimes. It's like, it's, it can't be contained. It's yeah. Always here. 
I agree. I agree. Hmm. So through it all, Keith, through all the highs and lows that is inevitable with this life experience, what has been the greatest life lesson you've learned on your path that is speaking to you right now that you'd like to share? I would say <laughs> it's an old phrase, let go and let God. Um, I got to get out of the way. Not that it means I need to be passive, but I need to let the creator do, do the work. Like I need to, the, to surrender myself so that the creator can work through me. Mm -hmm. And I, I recently said that God and creator, like that's my CEO, <laughs> my life CEO. So I take all, I, the only, it's like another version of this would be there, but for the grace of God, go I. This is all for God. This is all honestly for the creator, the source, whatever you want to call it. This is for that presence. That's why we do everything we do. And mm -hmm. if there's anything other than that, it's, it's a, I'm attached in the worldly form. I've convinced myself that I'm this temporary human being that's got to be more, do more, get more. But when I surrender and I just let go and I, I let God come through and channel through my love and life, mm, I'm free. There is freedom there. Like no mm -hmm. other. Like yes. all things are possible with God. Mm -hmm. So other than being this truth, how are you sharing this wisdom and this knowing to others right now? Mm -hmm. Well, um, I've been cued to work on a new book. So I'm in the middle of writing that right now. Uh, but things that I have released, I mentioned my first book, Making Sense of Mindfulness is out. Um, I also right now I'm leading, uh, it's an ongoing, you can sign up at any time. It's a, just a short training on how to overcome stress and anxiety. We're living in very unpredictable times right now with COVID as we record this. So it's just a short little practice to help people begin dealing with the anxieties that might be coming up. Um, it also leads to a full online course that I offer called Making Sense of Mindfulness. And it helps people learn how to slow down and make connection with their inner spirit and how to get some of the blocks out of the way. I also offer um, life coaching, um, I've got a membership community called mymindfultribe.com where I offer group coaching every month, plus uh, a great way to interact with a bunch of other members of our community. Um, I have a podcast as well called Let's Connect. <laughs> There's a bunch of different things. It's all uh, at my web. Oh, online yoga classes as well. There's just so much. So all of that stuff's at my website, which is keithmcpherson.ca. And um, yeah, I, I feel like part of my work is to offer all these various opportunities to, to share and be in spirit with people. So, mm -hmm. yeah. So to close every episode, I ask each guest uh, a final two questions. Okay. And we're at that point now. Okay. Okay. So my first question is in three words, how will you describe the experience you're having on this earth? Wow. <laughs> describe that. That's a really good one. I'd have to say I it comes back to again, I, I'm experiencing this as a spiritual being 
in a temporary human form. So that's how, that's how my experience on earth is right now. I feel like uh, I think of the symbol of the cross. I know I'm sounding like my old Catholic roots here, but I tell you, you know, I, I have so much guilt and shame about being Catholic because it takes such a bad rep because of the worldly crap that's happened there, mm -hmm. you know, with all the scandals and stuff. But honestly, at the, however you access the spirit, whatever form, whether it's, you know, through that, I just, I'm thinking of the symbol of the cross right now, because okay. for me, that represents, um, when you think of the cross, like from left to right, the horizontal, that's like, to me, it reminds me of our humanness on this earthly plane. And then I think about the, um, the cross going vertically from top to bottom. And it's like heaven and earth, right? It's like spirit and physical form. And I'm just thinking about that as a symbol of how I'm experiencing life right now and having to like carry a cross. You know, I think about the, the hero's journey of Jesus. Having, and we're recording this in Lent. This is becoming really a Catholic journey here, but uh, carrying that cross and the burden of it, but also the liberation of it where you're surrendering and letting go. So mm -hmm. <laughs> I guess long story short, I'm experiencing life right now as a cross. Cross. So that's, that's one word. You started off with another word. Wow. So let's, let's do, let's have, those are our two. Wow, cross. And what's the next word, letter, word you could think of? That comes to mind. The next wow, word? Cro wow, cross, and yeah, one more word. Wow. Wow, cross, and <laughs> spirit. Beautiful. Okay. So moving on to our final question, and I'm going to conjure up some magic here because I believe at the core of our being, we are all magicians. And I'm going to transport us to a time far from now, we're going to be sitting alongside an 85-year-old Keith. I want you to picture this 85-year-old Keith in your mind. What does his life look like? What is the legacy that you've left behind? And what lays ahead for you in the future? Wow. I feel like I'm in a life coaching session. This is a good one. <laughs> um, well, the first thing that comes up for me would be just, oh, there's so much love all around. It's just complete. The feeling of love is all around. And I'm surrounded by just such an incredible community of people who have just opened to love and vulnerability and truth and courage and freedom. Um, and I see that we're working for a shared common purpose to bring more of that loving creation into the world. Um, and I, I just think that it's, that's probably at the heart of my 85th birthday. Um, and beyond that, I mean, I see that there in, as a result of that being the fuel, the love and the joy, um, we've done some pretty incredible things in the world, you know, um, there's been so many fun places to just play in the playground of life along the way there's been books written there's been tv shows hosted there's been amazing transformations in coaching clients who are now coaching uh, there's just an incredible feeling of uh, the energy and love of aloha and it's not just in hawaii it's worldwide the whole world is experiencing aloha in their own ways um 
And I do see that my 85th birthday is in Maui. I'm, uh, I'm at Kanapali Beach in Maui. And it's not just people in the physical form, but all of my guides and spirits and ancestors have gathered as well. And it's just a beautiful celebration. And it's not just about me. It's about like all of us and just this love that it's, it's not just one person. It's all of us. Mm -hmm. I, I was going to just say, I'm also my birthday, I was born on November 8th. And uh, I've always thought of that as a symbol of the infinite that I've been talking about this whole time. 11 is the month of November, 1-1, one, one, which are both signs of like no end or beginning. It's like infinite love. And 08 are both symbols too of, to me, no end. You can't separate them. And it just, to me, it's part of, I think, why I've be, been placed here on this planet is to be of love and to be of infinite love and to help other people find that in themselves. Because when you find that, the, you're, there's a feeling like all things are possible. <laughs> I mean, mm -hmm. We just become creative ambassadors of the spirit. So yeah, that's my 85th birthday. So let's stay there. Let's stay on that beach in Maui, surrounded by love, surrounded by joy. Yeah. You've had your presence has been felt worldwide. Music is still in your life. You've authored many successful books, hosted TV shows, coached clients to many great things. So let's stay there. I want you to really feel how that feels. Cause I'm not going to leave us there. I'm not going to leave us in the future. I'm going to bring us to the infinite now. Mm. And in the infinite now, that 85 year old Keith whispers a message to you present in the present moment. What does he say to you? Don't give up. Stay the course. You're, you're on your way. <laughs> I love that. And that concludes today's episode. And to conclude every episode, we bring our fists together. A welcome to the winner circle. Boom, a digital fist bump. A choice, that we, it, a choice that we could all make. So thank you. It's been a pleasure to connect. And I look forward to more connection with you moving forward on our paths. May they cross thank again. You, Derek. <laughs> thank you, Derek. Love and blessings to you, my brother. Thank you.